Uh, it's good to see you all this evening. It's good to see some lockdown haircuts as well. Byron, one of them. Johnny Reid, another. Who else? Tom Beaumont, another one. Lovely. Some of you are a bit too far away as well for me to say the Swinburns and Roz, etc. This is good. Good time. Um, and hello as well if you're watching live uh, on, the, on a stream somewhere. Um, listen, as you settle down, as you uh, relax and, uh, and perhaps just fill up your cups of tea, I've got a riddle for you. Let's start a sermon with a riddle. It's not every sermon. It starts with a riddle. Here's the riddle. Um, it, listen, just go for it. If you're sitting with someone, um, go on, test them. If you're sitting on your own, try and work it through. I'll give you 30 seconds. Often held, but never touched. Always wet, but never rust. Often bites, but seldom bit. To use me well, you must have wit. What am I? Listen, I reckon I know uh, who's got it. So I can tell by faces. Um, and I bet you, I bet you, uh, Ewan's got it. I just know Ewan, Ewan would get this, wouldn't he? Look, he's absolutely buzzing. I knew it. I knew it. Catherine's got it as well. Good, 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 good. Um, well, I'm not even going to tell you. Okay, because hopefully James 3 announces it, shouts it loud and clear. Listen, as we get to James 3, um, here's what we're dealing with tonight. Throughout the Bible, there is not a sin more pervasively exposed than the sin of speech. Back to Genesis chapter 3, as Adam blamed his wife Eve for eating the fruit. It was her. And throughout the Bible, we see the power wielded, the deceit shown, and the hurt inflicted through uttered words, the use of the tongue, if you didn't get the riddle. Look, Romans 3 verses 13 and 14, it's pretty conclusive and it's pretty damning. Their throats are open graves. This is of everyone. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Look, I wonder how you're getting on with the book of James. Uh, I'm, or we've just finished uh, a, a, a scripture, day by day uh, scripture uh, on, on, app, on an app and we've uh, been doing a devotion, me and a friend, and we've been quite enjoying the conversation that we've, we've had because of it. I wonder how you're getting on with James as you're reading it, as we dive a little bit deeper into it. Are you getting the hang of what James is all about? Hopefully you've got the thrust of James. Please hear clearly, in case you haven't, James is not talking about how we become right with God. He's not. He's not talking about our good works making us right before God. That's grace alone through faith alone. But James is talking about the Christian life which enables, which faith enables it to live. You see the difference? James is talking about the Christian life which faith enables it to live. He's straight talking. He's right to the point. Actions, words, thoughts and he illustrates well we'll see that this evening 
There's a warning in James as well, but be careful to put the warning in the right place. Here's the warning. If life contradicts your profession of faith, you might be deluding yourself. So if you are professing faith through grace alone, you know that Jesus has saved you and you're a Christian. You're saying you trust that. You've asked him for forgiveness of sins and you trust in him. See what James is saying now. Okay, well, if your life now contradicts your faith, you might be deluding yourself. James 1 verse 18, this is the key to unlock the book, to unlocking a faith that lives. This is James, this is the thrust of our series, faith that lives. James 1 verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits for all he created. It was him who chose to give us new birth. That's James' starting premise. It was him. It was God who chose you and he gave you new birth. You've been born through the word of truth. It was the word of truth that I accepted, that gave me then new life and the spirit of God living in me as a first fruit for what is to come, enables me to live for what is to come. The old has gone and the new has come. And just a few more comments as way of intro to this. James 1, 26 and 27, he announces there three definitive marks of someone who has been born again by the word of truth. So he talks about a caring outlook. Do you remember that we've looked at that in the past? Specific care for orphans and widows. That's the language that James uses. That was the context and the culture then. A caring outlook for those in need, one, definitive mark for those that have faith. Two, an obedient life that is not influenced by the world around. Obedient to to Christ, to follow him. And three, a controlled tongue. That's what we're looking at now. In chapter three, we'll see why James says this is really important. The way that we use our tongue, our words, is really crucial. And so we ask God that he would enable us to live his life out. Uh, Look, verse one, let me read it. And this sets us up for the rest of the time. It's um, It's like James, if he were a golfer, this is what James would be doing. Oh, there we go. Look, uh, that was from um, June. That was the uh, the men all out there for. Um, oh, look, Simon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the technique. James would be having a word with Simon here. Probably Tom as well in the background. Probably. Um, and then so on and so forth. Yeah, pretty much all the men at Town Church. He'd be having a word with them. He'd be saying, right, this is how we tee up. Set the ball on the tee. And this is it. Verse one is kind of the tee up for the next 11 verses. If James were a golfer, verse one is his teeing up. It's his setting up. It's getting his stance right and he's ready to swing through. Let me read verse one to you. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. See in verse three, he catches the attention by talking about teachers. He's saying, listen, no one is exempt from what I'm about to say. Use of the mouth, use of the tongue, use of your words. More warning 
as these are the ones who bring the word of truth in verse 18. There's more warning here for teachers. And look, teachers are going to be more scrutinized than most. They will be. You'll now be listening to my words and you'll be thinking, is what Lang's saying, is it true? Is it not? Does it match up with God's word? Does it not? <laughs> and so James is teeing up the whole of the next section saying, pay attention. This is for teachers too. They are not exempt. And their words will be scrutinized more than most. And so off he goes. And there's three points. Um, here they are. I'm going to give you a snapshot because perhaps easier on Zoom and on live just to see a snapshot uh, of the three areas that we're going to be looking at. Three big things that James wants to teach us uh, about the tongue, about the use of our words um, tonight. Here's one. Don't underestimate the tongue's power. Two, don't underplay the tongue's evil nature. And three, don't be fooled by the tongue's inconsistency. Sorry for the typo. Three, don't be fooled by the tongue's inconsistency. Okay, look what he says. Look what he says here for our first point. Don't underestimate the tongue's power. Verse two, he states this. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. See what James is saying? Here's the reality. This might be slightly relieving. It's not meant to be relieving, but, but it, it just might be. James is saying, here's the reality. We all stumble in many ways. By the way, that's teachers included. James is saying, that's me. Hands up. We all stumble in many ways. Do you know we all make mistakes? Do you know sin is still a universal experience, even for the Christian? more so than the Christian, because we know what sin is because of the law of God. And now we've understood that we need saved from sin. But law is still prevalent in the believer's life. We read in the book, A Town Church, the enemy within, there's a battle that's going on. So James from the beginning is saying, do you know, here's what's happening. We all stumble in many ways. So think now in the last week, I'd just love you to have a moment. Think in the last week, not of what you were on the receiving end of, but what came out of your mouth. So let me read the list that I just wrote up and let me see if you can relate to any of them. And I'll go slow just for you if you're taking notes to jot down or to style or highlight or to make a note. Here's what James is saying. We all stumble in many ways. What does the last week look like? for you a hasty word a word of retaliation a lying tongue an inflated statement harmful gossip cursing a berating comment A word of anger, a whisper of self-pity. James here, he's not telling us to keep watch. He's not warning us 
to be on our guide. But more positively than that, he's saying that control of the tongue leads to a master control of ourselves and of our lives. You see the phrase, able to keep their whole body in check? And here's the point, James is saying, don't underestimate the power of the tongue. It's like the gateway to all of the spirits living in the Christian life. It's the doorway through to everything. Those that are able to master the tongue are able to keep their whole body in check. And he dives in with brilliant illustrations. Oh, it was great being on the morning gathering, uh, the family gathering, and hearing Helen uh, just do this. And it was just simple as we saw the cartoon illustrations. I, I've gone a, a one step further, not in quality, but just in sophistication uh, for adults. But it's just the same. Look, what does he say? He says here, verse three, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Do you see what a bit is in a horse's mouth? It's such a, a small piece of metal, but do you see what it does? Powerful enough to turn the whole animal. Look, there's a polo player, not just some lad trotting around. A bit in the horse's mouth, it's able to turn to wheel round, to gallop at full pace, to halt, to swivel. A teeny bit is able to do that in a powerful horse. I don't know if you've seen a polo match, but it is quite incredible. My bet is there's one or two at Town Church that frequent the polo games, living in the, the upper echelons of society. Kerry used to go and watch it, but not me. Look what he says. Uh, look, brilliant. He talks about a rudder on a ship. So large. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Look at the small rudder. Can you see that at the bottom? Just in case you're not uh, fully aware of how a ship is built. There's the rudder of a very large ship. But look at the large ship, so large and driven by strong winds, driven by nature's forces. Look at what a rudder is able to do. A very small rudder enables the pilot to steer wherever he wants to go. So is the tongue. Look how powerful these small things are. We could add, of course, one of our own. Look at how small and yet how powerful the coronavirus is at this stage. How microscopically small. No human eye can see it. Nearly 4 million cases, nearly 300,000 deaths worldwide. It's brought the world to a standstill and economies to their knees. We could add that easy enough. A simple illustration that James is driving home. See the tongue? Look how small it is as a member of your body. See what it's able to do? Verse five, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. The tongue is so small, but its claims are substantial. You see that great boast? It's not negative. James is just saying, do you see what the tongue is able to do? It's able to make such claims and substantiate them. That's what the tongue is able to do. Claims are substantial. So small, yet able to make great boasts. Don't underestimate its power. 
you know in application in thinking about this? Can you think back to your childhood? Can you think back to perhaps a word or a phrase or a sentence that somebody used to build you up? You could probably go there quite quickly. Maybe grade one, you think that teacher says something to me that I've never forgot. A sentence, a phrase, a word. Likewise, can you remember a word said to you in childhood that berated you, that belittled you? You can probably remember it just then. I just have to throw an example in of a, perhaps a, a school teacher or perhaps a family member or perhaps a, a sports coach. And straight away, you can think of that word, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, you remember just a sentence. James is saying words are powerful. The tongue so small and yet so very powerful. Don't underestimate its power. Secondly, don't underplay the tongue's evil nature. Let's read verses six to eight. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. That's verse six. Look, we know what a fire looks like before the coronavirus. What was it? The great fires in Australia that decimated countries. Here's the best, but perhaps the worst photo I could find in the sense of acres and acres and communities and towns decimated by fire that starts with a single spark. See what James is saying about the tongue. The tongue makes itself available to all that is unrighteous. He uses the phrase a world of evil among the parts of the body. Look, it's, it's a ready tool at the disposal of God's enemy within us. That's what the tongue is. It's a ready tool. It doesn't need to be worked up. It's, it's just ready. Look, it's, 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 it's a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. He goes on to say it corrupts the body. It's a controlling mechanism. So much more than what actually just comes out of your mouth. Think about this. We cannot think without forming our thoughts by words. Look, we cannot write an email, a text, without talking it through in our minds. We cannot be jealous without talking to ourselves about why we ought to be jealous. We cannot feel sorry for ourselves without listening to the voice of self-pity telling us why we should. Do you see what the tongue is? It's more than a word that comes out. The tongue is the controlling nature of the, the whole body. It's corrupt. And James says it's, it's anti-God. This is it. It's the gateway to how we live. It's the influencer to our actions. <laughs> Look, he goes on to say in it itself is set on fire by hell. James uses such explicit and exposing language of the tongue. He's saying, here's your tongue. 
It's pro-Satan. It becomes the instrument of Satan himself. Your tongue, my tongue. Such a vivid picture. It's like the fires of hell reaching up to the part of our sinful fallen nature where the tongue is like the touch paper. Or, or the tongue is like the fire lighter. Do you know if you light um, a match and then set a fire lighter and then vroom, off it goes. Once set on fire, it sets the whole course of the, the, the wood before you on fire. It sets the whole course of life on fire. James is saying, do not underplay the tongue's evil nature. Do not underplay it. And look, he goes on to say as well that the tongue is untamable by human hand. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You see, the tongue is untamable. Look what man has been able to do over the ages. It's been able to tame wild animals, to make the animals do as man pleases. To tame the birds, even to make birds talk, repeat after me, says the parrot. Even reptiles, you know those horrendous TV shows when you've got snakes that crawl over people and tarantula that sits on the hand of a man in any normal circumstance, it would, it would bite. The snake would bite, but man's been able to tame even reptiles. And sea creatures, think of sea world. And you get the dolphins jumping through the hoops just for um, a mackerel. So James is saying, look, man has been able over the years to tame these things, but not to tame the tongue. We cannot control it. We cannot. Look back. Many deeds we wish we hadn't done. But my bet is they are far outnumbered by the number of words we wish we had not said in life. This week, this month, this year. Words said in anger and rage. Words said in bitterness and resentment. Words said out of selfish ambition. Words that exposed our heart's desires. The word meant with loving intent even, but has caused harm. The unpredictable outbreaking of the evil tongue. Untamable by man. Do you see that? Untamable by man. So how are we to respond? Yes, I think, because it's pretty grim, isn't it? And all I'm doing is reminding you um, of past and, and even present, saying this is the tongue, this is what's happening. How are we to respond? Yes, it's a word of warning, certainly. James is a word of warning to town church, Vista, tonight, even on lockdown. Keep watch over your tongue. But more. But isn't it more? No human can control the tongue, but God can. God can control the tongue because his spirit lives in the ones that he's given new birth to, through his word of truth. Oh, could it be a marvellous display of the glory of God in Christ 
if our tongues are tamed by him. If our tongues are tamed by the spirit of God living in us. Wouldn't that be a marvellous display of the glory of God in our lives? I wonder how our prayers might change, might differ this week. Knowing that me, Lanks, in Lancaster, I, I can't tame my tongue, not in my sinful and selfish flesh, but the spirit within me can. And so my prayers are, Lord, not I but you, not I but you, not I but you. Lord, please enable me to speak the truth in love. Enable me now to speak kindly and speak generously, to be gentle. Well, thirdly, let's have a look as we wrap up. James says, don't be fooled by the tongue's inconsistency. Don't be fooled by the tongue's inconsistency. Look, we've looked at don't underestimate the tongue's power. Don't underplay the tongue's evil nature. And don't be fooled by the tongue's inconsistency. Let's quickly look at this. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. <laughs> Saying the tongue is like Jekyll and Hyde. It's like polar opposites. It's like a, a disorder now that we're in Christ. It can do the opposite in a moment. But do you see what's even madder? Do you, do you see what's even madder in the moment that James wants us to see is that it can praise and curse the same thing. Praise God and then curse humans who have been made in the image of God. Do you see how James wants to drive that home? I remember for us as a family, when I was a boy growing up, this is what we would do. We would go to church on a Sunday morning and we'd give it some, belt out some tunes, listen to God's word being preached. Do you know what we'd do over the Sunday lunch dinner table? We'd gossip and we'd slander about the way that people looked, about the way that they spoke, about the things that they did, about the things that we thought were not attractive. That's all we used to do. And it occurred to me quite recently that that was our natural default. That's all we used to do. And you see, James is addressing an issue here. Praise of madness and then slander against others in church. Sorry, praise of God and then slander against others in church. It, it, it's a madness. It's a madness. But, but, but James is, is so class. Because look at the warm-hearted man James is. He's so part of the body of believers. Time after time, he puts himself amongst these believers with warm-hearted affection. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And he says, my brothers and sisters, frequently throughout this little book. And you know this should not be, it does not exist anywhere else in the New Testament. This should not be. This is not right. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. There was a man, a principal of a Bible college, one day he came home to his wife and he said, that's it. 
I am not going to come home to you and speak to you about my colleagues and about my students. And he said for the first few weeks, they came home and had dinner together every evening and there was hardly a word said amongst them because they realized that all of their conversation was fueled by what the principal of the Bible college said about others. But he said it was a remarkable thing to change a habit. Here's what James is trying to do for us tonight as we end. He makes us think about something that we must address. Perhaps we found his words and the whole thrust of the book beyond our capacity to change. And you see these pastoral words. He's saying, listen now, listen now, we can change. Do you want change? Here are the grounds of change. You've already been changed. James 1.18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now live out your faith. Here are precise, manageable guidelines to live out the new life. How we speak inwardly about the brother or sister and then how we speak about them to others. These are wonderful guidelines for the new life to be lived out. And if we're keen, come under the word of truth. We admit what is too far to do within our powers. It's too far. James has painted the picture of the power of the tongue, inconsistencies of the tongue. We ask God by his spirit that he would tame our tongues but we would be doers of his word and that we'd put things in place. That's the message of James tonight. And I, for one, need to sit up, pay attention, because I desperately want to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that time and time again, I stumble, as James says right at the beginning. That's his admission already, stumble. But he says, come on, Christ in you. Let's go. Let's go again and be wise now to the way that we use our tongue. Let me pray uh, and then we'll sing uh, together and then back uh, to Simon after that. Father God, please help us to understand something of our tongues tonight. Something of how James wants us to see how we use our tongues. Lord, please help us not to underestimate the tongue's power. Father, please help us not to underplay the tongue's evil nature. And please help us not to be fooled by our tongue's inconsistency, but help us, Lord, to come before you as those who have been changed. And if we've not been changed by you, if we've not confessed sin, help us to do that so that we would desire to be changed by you and then to live where you can control and tame our tongues. Father, please do that for us that do not trust in you. And for those of us that do trust in you, would you use our tongues for good? Would our tongues be kind and gentle and generous this week? And would we give you all the glory? In Jesus' name, amen.